Hey, hi. Hello. hello. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was very smooth. Let's do it again. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Chris. So what I want to, to talk about this time is why are we talking about Xena in 2023? Like clearly there are many other things uh, out there, um, but we and uh, quite a few other people, like this is definitely not the only Xena-based podcast in the, in the world. Um, why are we still talking about about Xena? What what is it about this show? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good question. Thinking about it yesterday, I googled some Xena merch on Etsy, mm. and I found a lot of cool things like chakram necklaces, chakram rings, just Xena overall Xena outfits, Xena beanies, and those are all quite recent. So it just really means that uh, people are still very much interested in Xena. For me personally, why well, I think that I can still rewatch it and it holds up for me 100% is that I think still in 2023, I wanted to say 2022, uh, the series and movie industry struggles to give us a good female lead a complex female lead uh, a story where you show a woman being strong but do not make it all about stereotypes and do not make it all about we need to push an agenda which I think happens a lot like was happening a lot in the recent I would say five years where people from the movie industry was like oh you want feminism let let us give you feminism and it it seems very shoved down the movie maker's throat it seems like there was a script and then someone from the producers came in with their notes and like oh yeah but make it feminist and you you see for example characters giving speeches where it's not necessary or like fighting battles that are absolutely not necessary to fight and i think Xena being being from the 90s for me it holds up holds up and is more inspiring in a way than a lot of recent movies and shows. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a a good point. I also think that um generally currently what's happening in our in our culture is that there are a lot of remakes, a lot of revivals, a lot of sequels that's kind of what um the the zeitgeist is uh focused on not necessarily on producing something new but on reproducing or slightly modifying and uh and making uh, a new version um and i'm quite grateful that that has not happened to to Xena yet even though as as we see it is so popular and um it is kind of a, an original product of its time uh yes it is a spin-off but it it is it doesn't feel derivative it feels um very much original and in a way that is is missing, I think today with uh, a lot of whatever complex uh, female characters um, coming from comic books or from reboots or from whatever the hell, um, and 
I'm, I'm hoping that it stays th th this way for, for Xena, that it doesn't um, get sucked into this reboot economy. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> but that's, that's one of the, one of the reasons, but there is kind of the flip side of that where, um, currently the culture is a pretty, pretty heavily nostalgia based and mm -hmm. we are kind of part of that currently with our, with our podcast. Uh, and it's not necessarily a good thing or, or a bad thing. It's, it's just that's how it is um and specifically what what i think um is is interesting for me with the zenend um uh, our podcast title very subtly uh, alludes to that um <laughs> kind of looking at um gay culture from um quite a few years ago because now, yes, there are, there is um, a much more vibrant, a much more mainstream um, cinema and, and TV industry specifically centered around queer characters. That was not the case in the 90s, um, but uh, it still had this very, very strong influence on a lot of people, maybe in part because it was such a scarce time in terms of um, queer TV. And it's interesting to re-examine it from that point of view and, and see how it did, the, the queerness that it, uh, <laughs> that it produced and um, how that affected us uh, as people and maybe trying to extrapolate it a little bit in terms of the the wider community for sure for sure yeah it's it's amazing to rewatch um the episodes from the very beginning and like every time i rewatch xena i notice those little breadcrumbs those little bits of subtext that was in there the whole time and i just didn't see it so yeah um with that maybe we can um continue with the episode yes the episode uh, number two uh, it's called Chariots of War. And there will be chariots, spoiler alert. And there will be war, so uh, correct title, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, um, I am very happy at the very beginning that we see a town. Uh, I'm a fan of how this, the, the series, um, uh, the Xena series does towns and like larger communities and how it mimics um modern um like places that people go to in like the 21st century so i'm happy that we're in a town and we're in a sort of like a bar right it's a tavern uh-huh it's a tavern and uh, it's clearly quite seedy which xena immediately clocks uh and she has been around yeah yeah i think <laughs> i think xena has a, a very good um uh intuition um in terms of what places are safe and what places are trouble and Gabby is still <laughs> and Gabrielle does not <laughs> yeah yeah Gabby is still quite clueless about that but then some dude drunkenly harasses her and she's like oh yeah 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 let's let's get out of here oh yeah that's one of those yeah let's mm. go so then our girls have to part right yes they do uh for reasons that are not like super clear to me Zena needs to like go out there and like scout out the road something something it's it never it never becomes clear and it never becomes important so <laughs> i guess uh, who cares <laughs> yeah so um xena leaves gabriel behind and strolls off into um the magnificent scenery of ancient Greece slash New Zealand. And uh, we immediately are introduced to our main side characters. Yeah, so there's 
there's this dude. Uh, his name is Darius, as we find out. Uh, he looks like like a C-list porn star. He <laughs> has a smooth face. He has uh, '90s appropriate kind of longish hair for for a guy. Um, he wears this uh, shirt that is kind of like open enough for us to see his uh, shaved chest uh, that he clearly uh, pays quite a bit of attention to in the in the gym. Um, but he has this like very generic face, um, which is why I put him on the C list. <laughs> <laughs> and a bit of a smolder when like when he smiles and squints his eyes, it's this go to move of like, oh, I'm attractive. Did you yeah, I'm attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, um, the character is less about um, being smoldering and more about just being a great single dad. Yeah, and we find out that this family comes, or actually this whole community comes from Troy, which is helpful for those poor Xena fans that were trying to determine where in the historical context to place her. But as I understand, people tried to do it and then really figured out that Zena is about a thousand years old. So yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's 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 one clue, but it has nothing to do with all the other clues that we get uh, <laughs> that that tell us anything about the the current uh, time period. And um, so they these people they are from Troy, but uh, they had to relocate. And they are rebuilding a barn that was destroyed um, by some random people. And then this this barn that is still being rebuilt is randomly attacked by random attackers. So the villains, they just come and they just randomly start attacking people, building a barn, and um, destroying that barn because, for some reason, they have a very big beef with barns and farming and people making food supplies, generally. Yeah, yeah. Later, they, they explain a tiny bit why they have to keep attacking this village, but... Just it's because not it's not a good enough explanation. It's, it's, a, it's a horrible explanation. Like they tell us the reason, and the reason makes no sense. Um, so, so sure, um, maybe maybe they are just uh, very against uh, child labor because we see that Darius is just like telling his kids what to what to do, um, rebuilding this this barn. So maybe maybe these these random attackers just really really care about labor laws. Concerned citizens, that's what we're going to call them. Absolutely. So concerned citizens uh, try to break the barn that is not very sturdy to begin with. And uh, the little boy, one of the children of our smoldering dad, is trapped under the barn. And of course, who saves him? Xena. Yeah, Xena sweeps in um, and... uh defeats the the random attackers as of course uh, she would and um hands the the saved kid over to to the dad um at which point we get this brilliant um dialogue which is um that the dude says thank you who are you and Zena answers a friend our girl is concise he doesn't need to know more than that that's fair that's uh, fair but after that, um, the concerned citizens start firing uh, arrows at Xena, and she catches two of them with her bare hands, but the third one gets her. Yeah, that generally uh, that's generally what happens when you don't have three hands. Um, <laughs> but that made me that made me wonder: like, did she and Draco from last episode practice together? Because he was catching arrows with his bare hands. And now yeah. she catches arrows with her bare hands. Either so, the, there are two explanations. Either they were practicing together, and they're like, "This is clearly a skill that we will need." Uh, Attending as... an arrow catching seminar together, yeah. Exactly, exactly. As uh, badass warlords, or it's just part of the standard curriculum. 
Like <laughs> anyone who wants to be a badass world warlord in this world has to attend a catching arrows with your bare hands seminar because obviously it's such a such a needed skill. Absolutely. So then we immediately go to um, the plotline of Xena being wounded and Xena suffering in silence. And I was very happy with that storyline. I completely forgot about it. And I think that mostly men get those storylines in movies. And that's like a very um, popular kink, you know, like our hero is all wounded and he's suffering, but he's taking it bravely. And a woman usually takes care of our hero and it's nice to see the role reversal here. And Xena is smoking hot in all those sequences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But actually is that kind of, um, that, that reminds me, um, so before we, we get to the nursing uh, scene, we get the our intro. And yeah. we discussed the intro um, in the last episode. But one thing that stood out to me this time is that the intro ends with the phrase, her courage will change the world. Her courage will change the world. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and it's it's interesting that they went with courage. I'd like out of all of the words that they could choose, uh, like she's essentially a demigod. She's super gorgeous. She's badass. She's a great warrior. She's all of those things, but they they specifically decide to go with courage, which is hmm. um, a cool choice. And also, I think a word that is not often um, associated with um like badass women or or generally yeah. like strong strong female characters um especially those that are not like all about protecting their family yes. i think yes we we hear a lot of stories about like oh a courageous mother that uh is like super self-sacrificial and uh whatever um, is not afraid of anything to protect her kids or something, but um, like this specific type of courage that that Zena exhibits, uh, that is more about you know being a warrior and uh, putting herself in in danger, not just for her little uh, nuclear family, but for things that are right uh, or for protecting the innocent uh, that have nothing to do with her. That is quite rare, and um, that that also is a cool reversal of um, like the roles that male characters normally are able to have, but not female characters. Absolutely, yeah. Like I think the series generally treats Zena as a hero, as a badass, and it's not like. Uh, oh, she's a hero, you know, like a, like a female hero, like mm. the hero, but like with female approach to being a hero, like a lot of series have. Like here, there's none of that bullshit. She's she's just a hero. She's courageous. She yeah, kicks ass. Absolutely. Um, another thing that that I liked. Uh, so once once we get the intro and we we see the the nursing. Uh, the, the scene, the, the scene with uh, Zena being um, treated uh, by our uh, smoldering dad is <laughs> that like it's it's left somewhat ambiguous, but I, I guess what what happens is that he like removes her top to treat her wound. Definitely, yeah. And that is there's no acknowledgement of that whatsoever, neither by her nor by him. It's like super casual, like I need to treat your wound. Um, so I'm clearly going to remove this this garment that is in the way of me treating your wound. Um, and I like that. I, I feel like that is also super rare that um, a woman being topless is just kind of like a matter of fact. Um, yeah. No reaction like, oh, boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neither for, from her nor nor from him, which, um, yeah, I like. 
Me too. Yeah, good on him that he like focuses on the task at hand, which is let's say frankly it's a very important task. Um, but Zena, I think remembering the episodes, I don't remember Zena ever being shy of her nakedness. I think she's like, yep, like that's me, and she doesn't have any of those bullshit. Oh, I'm going to cover myself when I don't know. Both for the purposes of like I'm being shy, and for the purposes of like a camera is sliding. So I also like that. Yeah, I'm having like slight flashbacks to some scene where where she's like um fighting someone while naked and mm-hmm. she has to like cover herself with with objects fish. Which... I think fish at fish. that time. Fish. Oh my god. Right. Um <laughs> but, yep. Fish. Yes. Um <laughs> But um, we'll we'll get to that uh, when when that scene happens. Um, but yeah, as you said, the the task at hand is super important. It's um, literally removing the the arrow that Zena shot at. It's it's quite intense. Like the dude has to push the arrow through her. Yeah, um, it was like very. What if you hit important organs that that were not hit when the arrow went there? I mean. To be fair, like it, it makes sense that that's what she tells him to do because they, like the arrow is stuck in her. And how else would you remove it without yeah. pushing it through? Um, but uh, yeah, that is quite intense. So he pushes the arrow through her torso, so it comes out the the other way um, on her back. Then he breaks the arrowhead with his bare hands, like. How easy is that? I I don't know. It just made me wonder uh, how how difficult it would be to to break an arrowhead with with one's bare hands. Also without without hurting yourself. Yeah, what well, the arrow is quite thin and it's made of wood, so I guess it's possible. But yeah, you have to be a super buff porno dad to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like porno dad better than smoldering dad. Actually, let's yeah. Let's call him that for, for now. <laughs> Let's stick to that. So he he does that. Um, he pulls the the rest of the arrow out, and then he cauterizes the wound with a hot poker. Uh, well, actually, no, he doesn't. He because he's like she does. Yeah, he's like, do I need to do that? That seems kind of intense. And she's like, give give me give me the hot poker. Let me let me do it myself. Yeah, and immediately collapses after that, which, oh my god, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so then we're back with our concerned citizens in their camp, um, and we have an expositional dialogue. Hello, father, yes, my son, when we see the, the <laughs> two <laughs> the two main villains um, fight each other to practice, I guess. Um but I guess it's okay, the expositional dialogue here, because they're villains. But yeah, the, those those are villains for the episode. They do not have any other motivation, just going ahead, apart from we are warlords, we kill randomly, and those villagers are peaceful. Therefore, we kill them. They are insulting us by being peaceful farmers, um and it's all like justified by them invoking Ares they're like oh we need to serve Ares and it's unclear like whether they have an actual direct relationship with with Ares since we will later meet Ares like it's not yeah they're not being like figurative necessarily like oh no 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 our our god whatever whatever like gods are very much real people quote-unquote uh in in this world so it is possible that they just like meet up with Ares and he project manages their uh random village destruction yeah i i like the word project manages because yeah I, i feel that gods in this universe act very much like Hollywood producers. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I want this hero, like this talent in my camp. And like a lot of warlords throughout the series are quote unquote auditioning for Ares. <laughs> basically like being badasses the way they understand it and doing ridiculous shit to trying to attract his attention 
But of course, we know that Aries, our producer, has a sweet spot for Xena's talents. Oh yeah, and uh, we'll learn a lot more about their relationship as the, the series unfolds. We're uh, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um, so yeah, we, we meet we meet our, our villains. It's, a, it's father and son. Uh, the son uh, has these horrible uh, white boy dreadlocks. Uh, and the father also has like a creative hairstyle, but it, it I, I couldn't figure out what was happening there. Just um, a mess. I think that his drag dreadlocks are just, uh, they're like 20 years old. So that's why they look like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the dialogue between them is, um, spectacular, um, <laughs> insofar as, uh, the son at one point says, today I killed a great warrior in the belly. Um, yep. That's good a, for you, dude. <laughs> phrase that, that a person might say in their life. Um, mm. and, uh, of course the, the father uh, then finds out that the, the great warrior was a woman and, uh, shames his, his son for, um, not being badass enough, which, uh, ends up being kind of the, the crux of their relationship that the, the son isn't badass enough. Uh, the son can't live up to the expectations that the dad has and also there's there there was a, another brother who got killed and um i guess this other brother becomes this unattainable standard um for the the remaining son um yeah it's all very sad really bad parenting skills yeah i think it's one of the few villains in the series with daddy issues there there's more to come for sure but when we come back to Gabby, who has no idea that Zena has been wounded, um, she's doing the all talking to the bartender shtick. And that's why I love to see towns, because here we see a tavern, of course, but the dude behind the tavern bar behaves like a bartender. Like, for example, he gets really annoyed when Gabby asks for water instead of an alcoholic drink. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. Um, so yeah, Gabby um, decides to wait it out in this bar, and here we leave her, and we come back to uh, Zena, who is well enough to tell kids some gory stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she tells some stories from her past uh, about her um, fighting, uh, I think, uh, the Cyclops. Yeah. Um, and she's about to tell them about how she stabbed him and uh porno dad walks in and he's like no 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 keep it keep it pg keep it pg and she's like yeah and then i uh took a feather uh i guess instead of a sword um yeah and the kids immediately are like that's that sounds dumb like what can you do with a feather against a cyclops and she's like well no i i had a whole goose, which, I mean, that that does sound kind of cool. That does sound kind of cool. I, I I love it. Then Zena learns the marital situation of the guy. Yes. Then we find out that um, one of the kids doesn't talk. Like we we see that before that that she doesn't talk, but uh, here it's uh, directly addressed. And um, Porno Dad casually slips in that. It's been that way since we've lost her mother, um, which I'm pretty sure she he only says uh, to go wink, wink. I'm single, Zena. Wink, wink. Let's fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's totally like that from the creator's point of view, but uh, maybe he also has like some hidden hidden agenda with that. Right, and then some random villager comes in uh, to the house to to be like we don't want this warrior lady uh, in our village and uh, confirms that it's been indeed quite a while since uh, Porno Dad uh, fucked anyone. So we're supposed to feel really bad for him. 
Yeah, like, Darius, I understand that there has been a while since there was a woman in this house, but really, Jesus, Zena? Okay, I don't get it. Um, yeah, and after Zena overhears this passionate exchange, she, of course, wants to get up and leave in a true Zena fashion. Yeah, uh, she definitely is not well enough uh, to, to leave at that point. As we later find out, the next day, she's completely healed, like 100% absolutely fine. But that evening, she's still, she's still recovering. And She needed uh, just a few more hours of sleep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, she keeps trying to, to leave and... Uh, keeps failing at that because uh, she's she's not well yet. Um, and at that point, uh, part of that uh, says this line, are you so brave that you fear someone caring for you? Ah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a much more interesting line of dialogue that I expect from from this episode. Like it's, it's just a throwaway line, but it's a very cool way of, of putting it, I think. Um, this aversion that a person might have to to being taken care of um, as kind of a side effect of their bravery and like what it means to be brave um, and how that uh, affects other fears that that one might might have. Uh, so I, I had to like pause and then the moment be like, are you so brave that you fear someone caring for you? Like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> not bad not bad yeah it's a great line of dialogue actually this episode has solid dialogue throughout yeah yeah uh speaking of sil uh, solid dialogue uh the next thing that happens <laughs> is that um the concerned citizens uh light the barn on fire and as they uh, do as they do because uh fuck seeds um f fuck crops uh, yeah. Fuck anything that is not uh, war, um, and Zena uh, and and Porno Dad hear something happening, and Porno Dad is like, "What's that?" And Zena's like, "Trouble." Zena <laughs> <laughs> continues to provide great amounts of information when when requested. Yeah, Zena Zena is concise here, but that's yes. why we love her. Indeed. And then uh, we go back to Gabby uh, in a tavern, still waiting for Xena. And this time she has trouble fighting off the punks that harass her. I mean, one single punk. I mean, I would assume that had like if she wouldn't pull the stunt that she does, there would be more. But yeah, she possibly. immediately, uh, after a dude tries to harass her and is like, oh, like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm waiting for my friend. And my friend is Xena. So she's name dropping the name of the warrior princess, who, as we know, is not only famous hero, but at this point, more like famous murderer, mm -hmm. famous person who wreaks chaos on everything. But the dude is unfazed. Yeah, and the, his first reaction is like, oh, let's have a threesome all together. I'm into that. Um, <laughs> sure. So um, Gabrielle then changes her strategy and uh, instead of Zina mentions her big, strong boyfriend um, uh, because yeah. uh, heterosexuality is scarier than a literal warrior princess. Yeah, um, and it's like also very lifelike. I have like... In my younger days, when I have been hit on a lot, uh, I have mentioned uh, having a boyfriend or a husband because at some point it's the last resort. It's like the last mm -hmm. thing that you have to mention for dudes to live you alone. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that is so. Um, but the dude kind of calls Gabrielle's bullshit. He's like, no, you don't have a boyfriend. And uh, she doesn't chicken out. She, she just goes for it, commits to the bit, and goes and uh, kisses an absolute stranger who turns out to be our uh, white dreadlock guy who shot Xena. Um, and uh, shockingly, the, the stranger doesn't mind. 
Yeah, I mean, why would he? But also, I like that Gabby describes her boyfriend as a strong, jealous type, polishing his lethal sword collection. <laughs> and I yep. wonder if that is that is that code for jerking off? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, always, always happy to uh, confirm your, Provide your suspicions. Context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, back in our offensively peaceful village, uh, Xena totally wolverines herself to perfect health the next morning <laughs> and uh, is carrying around heavy baskets. No problem. She's just totally fine. Wounds, what wounds? Then we go back to, to the tavern where White Dreadlock Guy and Gabriella are still, still chatting. And they're workshopping their backstory. Okay, so if if we're dating, uh, who who fell in love with whom, when, um, talking about talking about that, and then um, somehow it comes up uh, what what Gabrielle is is doing in the in the tavern. She she mentions that she's waiting for for her friend. She describes her as six feet tall, dark hair, lots of leather. I mean, oh yeah, sign me up, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> and there's going to be another issue with lots of lever <laughs> com- coming up. Yes, yes. Um, then uh, they start talking about their parents, and um, Gabby's talking about how she had to make a choice about what kind of a person she wants to be and uh, what kind of life she, she wants to her, for herself and uh, breaking away from your parents, her parents' expectations um, of what her life is supposed to be like. Um, and she says, uh, I'm grateful to my mom for raising me, but I can't pay for that with my future. Which is like another line that is more interesting than I expected. Uh, it's, yeah. It's really well put. Yeah, yeah. We know, we once again see that Gabrielle is good with words. She she is, but also it's a... I don't know. I just, I just really liked how she phrased it. Uh, and it's obviously something that's very much applicable to um a lot of kids and a lot of parents yes yes uh paying paying for your good upbringing with your future is i think something that a lot of kids feel pressure pressure to do yeah really uh with the main conflict of the episode being so black and white and so simplistic Mm. actually the things characters say to each other um it's it's much more complex the white dreadlock guy also recognizes this this phrase as uh, <laughs> very insightful and gabrielle is like it's a gift uh, i i love that style of accepting compliments that's something i strive for to be that casual about uh accepting oh, yeah. compliments and being like yeah duh <laughs> <laughs> it's just me uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabby is an example here to all of us. Mm. And then back in the uh, peaceful, creepily peaceful village, more creepy stuff is going on because Darius suggests they, they have to go to um, like basically a city council um, to meet the concerned citizens, aka killers. And to try to make peace with them, which is like a bad trend at this point. Mm-hmm. And Darius is like, you cannot go wearing all leather. You're too sexy and too like a warrior. So you have to wear this. And he wants her to wear his dead wife's clothes. It is very creepy. Also, Zena's like, I've never worn anything like this before. And I I wonder what exactly she means. Like, like, like what? Uh, them? <laughs> Or some dead person's clothing, uh, cotton instead of leather, uh, cerulean. The the dress is is um, a pretty pretty blue color, which also really stands out uh, from every other person in the village. Everyone else is wearing grey. Um, yeah, 
and Zena is uh, dressed in this beautiful uh, blue cerulean, yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, blue dress, which makes me wonder how expensive that dress was. Uh, I don't think that kind of a color was easily accessible at the time. No, no, but yeah, the coming um like getting a little ahead of ourselves this dress is not going to survive well <laughs> the things that Zena needs to do yeah yeah um so before uh the concerned citizens go to the town hall meeting um and uh supposedly make peace with the villagers um, we find out that they actually um are talking about how the plan for the meeting is not to make peace but to kill them all um yep and uh, specifically the the white dreadlock guy is supposed to do that to prove to his dad that he's worthy and shit yeah the kill them all is a detrimental phrase whoever says that phrase we know that they're going to be dead by the end of the episode and it's true yeah, so the dad is trying to convince uh, White Dreadlock Guy to uh, go on a murderous rampage uh, against these offensively peaceful villagers. But the the guy had this little uh, therapy session in the tavern with Gabrielle, and he's kind of having doubts about all that. Um, so then he he goes to the to the town hall, and there he like lectures the people that he attacked about <laughs> how violence is unnecessary and that we need to communicate openly and honestly about our needs and expectations like bullshit 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 <laughs> yeah uh but also um like insert your uh quote-unquote favorite uh, colonial uh struggle and i'm sure that there were People that had to deal with uh, similar rhetoric coming from their colonizers. Absolutely. And I loved how his speech, and he's like, he's standing there very sheepishly because he understands that what he's saying is bullshit and he's not convincing. And he says things like, we need to keep communications open, which is such like recognizable political blah, blah, blah that yeah i think the screenwriters did a good job here once again no uh xena of course immediately notices that something's uh off and immediately somersaults into a closed window above the roof um into another room that uh the, the bad guys are hiding in and uh, fights them, and before starting to fight them, rips the dead wife's dress because it's impractical and she needs to be doing high kicks. So uh, no hesitation, just rips it open and uh, is ready to, to fight. Yeah, it, I really enjoyed that scene where she was like, huh, one second, and she, <laughs> she holds, holds her hand out to the bad guys, like, I'm not ready. And then she rips the dress, like, okay, now I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. starts kicking. <laughs> um, and she she kicks the the bad guys' asses, and for some reason, Porno Dad is mad at her for that. Um, yeah, because he's in the non-violence uh, cult at this point. It just it's so <laughs> random. He's like, "Oh, I've been down that road of war, and it only brings suffering," uh, which. I mean, sh sure, but like at some point you have to do something else other than hold your hands up in the air and let yourself be murdered, uh, which is something that Xena tries to, to tell him. And yeah. we get yet another interesting line, which is, your suffering will not be eased by letting men like Psyche... Your suffering will not be eased by letting men like Psycheness crush the innocent, um, which... Cygnus is the, the name of uh, the white dreadlock guy. Um, again, very, very well put. A more interesting line than what I, I think 
I tend to think of as a typical Xena episode line. Um, Absolutely. That's, I'm thinking now that maybe part of the reason why it's still relevant and that part of the reason that I fell in love with the series in the first place were that the dialogue is actually very good. And yeah, I don't know. I think different people hang on to different things for me. Good and recognizable, relatable dialogue is one of the first things. Like I think the plot overall can be shitty, but if characters talk and I can enjoy it, then, then sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, kind of what's, uh, Tarantino essentially does. That's why it's, he's one of my favorite directors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then we get a plot twist. So it mm. turns out that White Dreadlock's guy's brother was supposedly killed by Xena. So the the father says that this guy was was killed by Xena. And yeah. um, the the white dreadlock guy is like, oh, I guess I need to avenge my brother's death. Let me go kill Zena now. Kill Zena and then kill everybody. And the father is like, fucking finally, yay! I can see the fire in your eyes now. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he was trying to get his son there. But we have a little insert scene after that. One of the villages uh, from porno dad's village uh comes to concerned citizens and punks and says oh xena is not with us so the fact that she stopped you or whatever it's not our fault we still want to negotiate peace with you against all odds and i think the father says, like yeah you'll you'll find peace eternal peace now go back and await the slaughter and I'm like, okay, good. Very, very subtle. Very good ways to deal <laughs> with the situation. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Um, then we finally get to see the chariots from the episode Yay. title. Um, for some reason, they, they're they riding chariots on this... Like, I, I river? guess it's, it's like a river, but it's almost completely dried out. Um, it looks great. Yeah, but the, I, it's unclear whether there's any reason for them to be in this river other than it looks cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. Also, I think, and I'm not sure that I'm right, but I think that chariots are the vehicle of villains. Only bad guys ride chariots in the series. And I wonder, is it because it's kind of associated with being a Roman thing and we know how we feel about romans <laughs> no idea could be yeah um so then uh as our guys are moving forward in their chariots gabby yes. and Zena are having a chat yes and she is talking to Zena about how she met this guy in a tavern and she has this super weird heterosexist rant about how maybe she's supposed to marry the white dreadlock guy and have his kids. Even though the, the whole conversation that she was having with the guy yep. in the tavern was about how she does not want that. Like, it feels like someone else wrote those lines for her where she's like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to uh, breed with him. And stuff. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Yeah, it, it felt a little bit like Bridget Jones moment, uh, Gabby's Bridget Jones moment to me. Like, uh, it, it seems like a quote from the book where she was like, oh, I met a guy today. I'm sure that we're going to get married and have seven children. The youngest name would be Jones, like something like that. It's it's very random and very, um, I don't know, n- 90s dating pattern of her. But it feels also so out of character. Um, mm, yes, yes, that's true. Because Gabby's thing is like, I'm not like other girls at this point. So. And she literally talked to the guy about how she doesn't want these things. <laughs> I just, it, it's make, it makes me mad. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make much sense. But I liked how she described him like, 
oh, and he was cute in a rugged, outdoorsy sort of way. <laughs> okay, Gabby, that's, <laughs> that's one way to describe this dude. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I love how 90s that description is. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Xena hears that the chariots uh, with our villains are approaching and she uh, says to Gabby, you need to provide a distraction. So she wants Gabriel to go up on Argo and start riding. And Gabriel is like, I'm not good at this horse thing. And I like that because that is consistent. I think uh, throughout the first few seasons, Gabby is going to be not good at this horse thing. And then Gabriel sits on the horse and before she rides away, she's like, if I die, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> also a very 90s uh, line, I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then we, as as Gabrielle is riding on a horse and uh, Xena manages to hijack the chariot of uh, the villain's sidekicks. So now the villains are riding on a chariot and Xena is riding on another chariot. And there we have this Shakespearean theater reveal when Gabby is like, oh, it's you to the villain's son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Then they fight for a little bit, uh, and uh, pretty quickly everyone falls out of the chariot. So now it's just uh, fighting on the, on the ground. Um, Xena then realizes that yes, this this dude is the one that uh, Gabby met in the tavern, and is clearly so frustrated. She's like, Ugh, "Remind me to talk to you sometime about your taste in men." <laughs> Xena's <laughs> is no better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is true. Um, then she just Xena uh, just doesn't give a fuck. Fights an armed guy with her bare hands because yeah, why not? Yeah, she loses I her sword her... somewhere and she just fights him with with her bare hands. Yeah, and she left the chakram at Porna Dude's house. Yes, yes. Um. Obviously, she wins the fight, and um, the she she fights specifically the dad. Um, and uh, meanwhile, Gabby is trying to convince the white dreadlock guy that uh, he can make a choice and not be an asshole. Um, which he, which which works, he he ends up not not being horrible. Um, and Xena kills, um, uh, the shitty dad. Who said kill them all, so that was inevitable. Right, right. Um, then, uh, we're back in the, um, in the village, and, uh, she, uh, so we're, we're back in the village, and Xena has this also weird hetero moment with, with, uh, porno dad, where oh, he yeah. essentially proposes to her. Um, mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, you know, maybe someday. Um, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't uh, before, but now I'm kind of considering it. Yeah, that's weird. What? That's weird. I just, I just <laughs> don't get, like, suddenly everyone's super straight. And he's like, well, I hope you find your happiness. And she says, I did. I just have to leave it for a while. Oh, it makes me want to puke. <laughs> okay, okay. In the series defense, I think that what they meant here that, uh, and I think it happens a couple of times throughout the series, that Xena is not in love with the porno dad. She just wants this peaceful life, quote unquote, because we have mm. this moment where she's trying on his dead wife's dress. <laughs> you <laughs> but still she's trying on the dress and the dress is like very feminine and is not a dress that you do any fighting in and she looks at herself in the mirror and i think that she has this moment of realization of like this could be my life i could be this peaceful i could have a home and just do mundane stuff and in this point porno dad and his three children is like a package deal of this peaceful life that she kind of yearns for for a moment but then realizes that it's not for her yeah it seems like 
from this episode, it seems like both uh, Zena and Gabby have this residual attachment to heterosexist norms of what their lives are supposed to be all about. And they do like actively choose to avoid following those norms. They they both are like, nope, I'm not going to get married. Nope, I'm not going to be a random farmer's wife. Uh, but even though they make these these choices not to be with men, but rather to be with each other, it still feels like a sort of a loss to them that they're making at this, this point. Yes, at I this think point, that's yes. that's going to change. Mm-hmm, definitely. Also, um, I know that this is beginning to be repetitive, but I still kind of feel here that Zena, in theory, might be leaning more by at this at, at least uh, at this point of her life and Gabby more gay because apart from like oh I might get married to him bullshit it seems like Zena kind of really was considering um at, at a, for a moment staying with uh porno dad they, they had some sort of a spark at, at the beginning when he was treating her wounds there was some spark there and I think that Gabby's relationship with the rugged outdoorsy guy was a total friend zone. And when they chat at the end, it's like they're pals, but they don't have any inclinations of like to ch- touch each other or to kiss or anything. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's fair for for this episode. I'm still on the fence whether I agree with your um, placement of these two on the on the Kinsey scale. Um, but okay. I'm, I'm not going to argue against it at this point yet. Let's let's see how things unfold. Yeah, yeah. But at the end, uh, we get another reassuring thing about the main character's relationship. So Zena asks Gabrielle, do you ever miss your family? And Gabrielle answers, yes, but not as much when I'm with you. Aww. <laughs> um, yeah, but that kind of uh, speaks to my point about how it still feels like to them it still feels like their relationship represents also a loss of of a family Mm -hmm. whereas later Mm -hmm. on they will come to realize that what they themselves have is a family absolutely yeah they're each other's family and we get that pretty early on um i think in this like next seasons but not yet which is good i like the development of their relationship yep me too so how many chakrams do you give this episode (laughs) out of 10 i i really liked a lot of the lines of dialogue in in this episode and um i think this episode did a good job in terms of raising questions and topics that are relevant to regular people's lives uh, in terms of mm-hmm. their relationships with with the parents and making choices for their own future instead of just following the path that the parents um, have in mind for them. Uh, I was really mad at the, <laughs> the scene where, where uh, Gabby is suddenly... Uh, forgot everything about herself and uh was like oh i should breed with this with this outdoorsy guy so (laughs) if not for that um that part of the episode i would give this episode um eight chakrams but Uh have to take off one chakram for that horrible rant and so it's gonna be seven out of ten for me Okay, okay. For me, I think it's 8 out of 10 because it didn't bother me as much. And I liked it a little bit more than the first episode. I think they're picking up momentum. But yeah, I know that there are much, much, much more banging episodes to come. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But overall, it's a it's a strong start to, to the series. So last episode, we gave uh, 7 each. This one, mm-hmm. we gave eight and seven so um we're starting strong yeah we're starting strong it's not a very common thing for long series a lot of the times 
the first few episodes are not flops, but like they're harder to get into. Hi, Shits Creek, we love you, <laughs> but your uh-huh. first episodes are a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. But if you're out there uh, and you've given Shits Creek uh, a go and you saw a few episodes and you're like, nah, I don't think I like this, please, please stick around. I We know. Yes. We know that the first few episodes are not the best. It is a bit of a struggle. We can swear on our lives that it will be worth it if you just stick with it a little longer. Absolutely. Like, like first two or three episodes and then you'll fall in love. Guaranteed. Yeah, well, it, it, it might take longer than that. We, we, we can't make promises, but just don't, don't give up just yet. <laughs> Okay, uh, on this note, I think that we're wrapping things up. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, and we'll see you next time for Season 1, Episode 3. Yes, bye! Bye!